So the front row, we had some window washing going on. Mark was definitely carrying the big screen. Chad was doing the roller coaster. So, But Amy, something you said that really kind of touched me was, I think sometimes as believers, we give too much credence to perception. You know? When I became a believer, Michelle would say, who's very proper, would say, you know, like, I was trying to quit smoking, so we went to this marriage conference in, in San Jose. And I didn't care, so I just lit up a cigarette right in front of the place. <laughs> I mean, I was trying, but she's like, hey, you can't do that. And so my perception was, I, well, man, what's wrong with you people? I thought you were forgiving or accepting, and are you, are you judgmental? And it gave me a bad perception of Christians, you know? I think we put too much pressure on ourselves, and I tell Bob all the time, he's like, oh, did you hear that? I missed that, that key. I'm like, how would I even know that? What I know about music is, is you hit the power button, and you turn the knob on. That's it. That, that's all I know about music. I don't, you know, and so I, I think we as believers, we are hard on ourselves at times, and we don't, we don't need to be, because I believe that Jesus said, come as you are. You know, don't, don't got to take a shower, you don't got to quit smoking, you don't got to, you know, show up, show up as you are. You know, if you look around the room and see the amount of people in here, this is what matters. This is what matters. It doesn't matter if you miss a key or your hair's out of place or your glasses are dirty or your jeans are torn. It doesn't. What matters is people are here to worship the Lord and people are getting saved and people's lives are changing. But we, we sometimes are just too hard on ourselves. We're like, and, and I'm not saying, and I'm, and I'm not giving us an excuse just to, to not try. I, I, I would never want to do that. But sometimes we got to just give ourselves a little bit of credit and see yourself just for a moment how Jesus sees you. If you're here tonight, man, he is stoked. Don't care how you smell. Don't care if you're, you got beer dandruff. It don't matter, right? It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if we ran out of popcorn early, you know, which we did, sorry. Um, but, you know, there you go, that perception thing again. You know, they're all going to leave because we ran out of popcorn. But it's, it's really, just think for a moment how thrilled the Lord is that we're here. Whether your hands are in your pocket or they're fully up in the air, you know, you know, Chelsea, how could you show a video like that in the house of the Lord, right? She was so nervous about that. She asked me about it last week. I said, I actually saw that video like, like years, I've been trying to find it for years. So thank, thank you for finding it, and thank you for showing it. And she, sur- she did not want to offend anybody. I said, well, you must be thinking about the wrong group. Because if y'all still here after I've been teaching the Bible to you for all these years, then I'm telling you, it's going to take way more than a video. You know? So... Um, I just wanted to take a moment and recognize Susie, whose birthday was yesterday. Yeah. And really, the reason this meeting even started was Susie. 
the church got so sick and tired of her every Sunday stuffing the offering box full of suggestions saying that I should start a meeting. Me? Why me? They're like, she was putting so many papers in that I, I think there was less room for like the offering. <laughs> like, you know, we're going to have to cut back on something, man. There's just no room in that box for money anymore because old Susie, you know. But Susie's just been a faithful servant for all of these years. She has given up every Sunday for the past how many years? Like the last seven years, every Sunday, she's at the women's home. Eight years. Do I hear 11? But she has such a heart for the lady, she spends her Sundays there, and she has for 10 years. You know? I mean, I think a lot of us would say, are you? No, I got stuff to do. You know, I'm going to get my hair done, my car washed, I got to do laundry, you know, and to her, she is just serving, and that's what she's been called to do, called to do. So thank you, Susie, uh, you know, we got to call her and sing happy birthday to her, that was pretty sweet. The girls called her and screamed happy birthday to her, like, holy cow, I felt so bad that ours was so lame after theirs. Man, if you want to hear happy birthday, have Alicia call you on your birthday, like, whoa, Yeah! It's like, geez. Well, so do I, but I just, yeah. I couldn't compete after that. So. And so, uh, yes, Michelle and I are going to be away next week. And, and the reason I'm going to reiterate is that is to imagine that we were, Michelle and I were separated. We both come from addicted families. We were both, she was a binge blackout drinker. You know, didn't know where she was, how she got home, who she was with, where she been, you know. That was after three years of marriage. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, you know, previous, prior to us getting married, but we came together two really super broken people who thought that love would conquer all. Well, let me tell you what. Love helped, but the Lord conquered all. Yeah. So I think we are separate on our second, third, and fifth, and seventh anniversaries because of just, just because of my personal life choices. But to be able to go away and celebrate 30 years is pretty cool. Yeah. Jesus. That's it. I mean, I mean, really, just putting your faith and trust in the Lord and, and being in fellowship. You know, getting to see God work in other people's lives is what, is what makes us happy. Everybody says, oh, don't you guys get tired? And Well, in our own strength, yes, we would. We, we really would in our own strength. But we are not operating in our own strength. We're operating in the strength of the Lord and the grace of the Lord. So, hey, it's been a blast, you know. Like I said, I'll keep doing this till someday I'll just drop right here and I think Austin will like drag Viola and Austin. If I keep gaining weight, Viola will have to help him, but you know, drag me off of here. Thank you, Vi. Yeah. So Vi's <laughs> like, yes. So I'm gonna be actually so we're at the point in Romans where it is some of the most to me, some of the most important scripture in the Bible. Is some of the most misunderstood scripture in the Bible. You know, Romans 8, 28, 29, and 30. There is so much 
division on that scripture. It has caused division of churches. It's caused denomination changes. People lose friendships over it. People argue over it. And so as we traverse those three short scriptures, I'm going to take four weeks. Week one, I'm going to set it up. And week two, I'm going to slowly get into it so that we understand what our place is. You know, because when you use words like predestined, it's like, well, then I have no choice. No matter what I do, it doesn't matter. You know, what I don't want to do is take those important verses and either use them to exclude somebody or falsely include somebody or think somebody think they have no control over what happens in their life, no choice. And because of my lifestyle and the way that I've lived my life, I have super strong beliefs around these scriptures. And so I want to make sure that I rightly divide that, and I tell you how I feel, and then I also give you some other views, not to confuse you, but to help you understand the scripture better, so that you can, what I really like is when someone actually takes it upon themselves to dig into that scripture enough so they, they have questions, like, what the heck does this mean? Because it seems like it means this, but does it mean this? And I, I say, amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord. If somebody gets into that scripture and they start asking questions, just getting somebody to that point, that's, that's like, that hardly ever happens. You know, I think we go to church and we hear the pastor teach and we just take what he says for the gospel. Most of the time it is. But my encouragement is the same as every other pastor here on staff is we divide the scripture for you and we encourage you to A, ask questions, B, take notes, C, read it again for yourself, and D, ask yourself what does that mean? You know what I mean? Like, what does this mean? So for me, if I am reading a scripture and I have a question, I don't just immediately grab a commentary, right? I just don't. Because I want to read a scripture far enough on both sides to think and pray, what do do I believe the scripture is saying? And if I still feel compelled, I will get some different commentaries from some different people that I believe and trust, and I'll read them, and I'll say, okay, I am, I'm okay. I am within the realm. We don't always agree completely. We don't always tell it the same way, but it's important to know that you're just not on some weird thing, and you're just reading all this crazy stuff into the scripture, you know? I don't, I don't play Bible roulette. You know, I don't get up my Bible in the morning, boom, oh, that, what, oh, oh, we were teasing this bald guy, and he buried everybody, you know what I mean? I mean, we, you can't just grab scripture and just be crazy with it. You know, we're supposed to read scripture, enough of the scripture, so that it's in, it's in you can get the context about what they're talking about. So tonight I am just going to, to do Psalm 5. And I really, I really love Psalm 5. Psalm 5, many years ago, Pastor Nate was doing a, a teaching class. So he asked some of his pastors to join this teaching class. And uh, it was really weird because Nate's office used to be this little bitty room behind the stage. 
And so he gave us all some text to study. And we had to do like a 40-minute Bible study. And so we walk back in there, and it's just Nate sitting there in the chair with this pulpit right in front of his chair. And like three other pastors in the room. And he just walk in, and he would say, all right, go ahead. And you would just start giving this Bible study, and he's just taking notes. It was like the most, it was, it was horrible. It was, it was awful. Uh, but I, I made it through all of my, and my final, my final was Psalm 5. So I studied for like a month, and I was, I mean, I knew Psalm 5 inside and out, and I was so super excited to do Psalm 5. I'd kind of gotten over the weirdness in the office, standing right in front of him, have him take notes and look at me, and am I saying the right thing, and, you know, because the critique came at the end, and they weren't pretty always. Sometimes they were darn right, ooh, maybe I should see if there's an opening at Ace Hardware, you know, <laughs> but... I wanted to do Psalm 5, and I was so excited. Nate's like, hey, you guys have done, you pastors have done such a good job. There's no need for you to do the prepared Bible studies today. I was like mad. I was like, are you kidding me? I like studied this. I even came in here on a Saturday morning all by myself up on the stage, and I did it like 10 times. You know what it's like to be in an empty room, talking and exhorting, or, uh, t- you know, doing a Bible study, and you can hear your own voice echoing back at you? It was so weird. But I was so into doing this that I really wanted to do it well. And then he was like, no, we're not going to do it. Um, I don't know that he ever knew how disappointed I was, but I was pretty disappointed. So Psalm 5 is a Psalm of David. It says, Lord, oh Lord, hear, my, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning. I always think that's kind of funny, right? Hey, Lord, pay attention, right? Isn't, isn't it us who begins to go into prayer and then we immediately remember, oh, milk, I need milk, right? Oh, okay, milk. All right, back, you start reading the Bible again, you're like, oh, I, I, I need to rotate the tires on my wife's car, <laughs> right? Then you get back into prayer, oh, oh, new law and order on tonight. So, I, you know, so often when we start to pray, we, we, we lose focus so easy. I remember one of the cool things that Nate said many years ago is when you're praying, just put a, put a pad of paper there. And when you're done praying or reading the Bible, you're going to see, oh, milk. Rotate the, you know, get, you know, you're gonna have this whole list of stuff that it was just randomly in your head. So at least write it down. So that there's your two day, two, there's your to do list for the day, right? Or for the week, whatever. You know, kill two birds with one stone. So it says, hear me as I pray. Pay attention to my groaning, because I think sometimes when we we pray, we can tend to groan, or as so many parts in the psalm say, lament cry out, like, God, I'm really struggling. I'm really having a hard time doing this. I'm really struggling with smoking, or I'm really struggling with sin, or I'm really struggling with anger, or I'm just not happy, or I, I want better, whatever. I think there are times when we pray, we pray kind of flippantly, like our shopping list, you know? I need, I need a raise, I need, a, my, I need my wife to be nicer to me, a new car would be great, um, 
you know. Pray for my friends and neighbors, amen. You know, but sometimes when we can get into prayer and we can lament and we can groan, you know, if you really think about like groaning, it's like, it's like from the gut. It's like guttural. It's like that, that deep groan. And if you, if you think about when we talk about the heart or the seat of our conscience, we have been fooled by the media Right? Because if you really want a Valentine's, you know, it's like it's the gut. Because that's it's inner, it's in our core that 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 kind of groaning or that deep-seated pain, it's like deep within. You know, but Hallmark, you know, we got this little heart and we got the whole Cupid thing going. But sometimes it's just our guts, amen. And we just have that deep sense of groaning. It says, listen to my cry. For my help, my king, and my God. You know, for I pray to no one but you. And that's important because I think a lot of times we put other things before God. Sometimes we put our relationships before God. When Michelle told me she was a Christian, I've told you guys a million times before, I I went ballistic and I, I broke lots of furniture. I was furious because she told me the new order in her house was God, me, the kids. Like, all right, okay. So let me see, this invisible dude's in charge of me now? Better than me? Is he paying your bills? Is he going to work? No. I didn't understand it. I didn't understand how somebody can put that kind of importance on something until I actually met him for myself. And then it's like, no, that is my king. That is my God. All the groaning I've been doing has been aimed in the wrong direction. I've just been bellyaching, right? I haven't been groaning or crying out in the right direction to the right person for the right reasons right? When we cry out to God like, God, truly change me, introduce me to you, help me to know you deeper, help me to serve you, allow me to change, soften my heart, help me to know more, learn more, help me to understand the word. I mean, that's like coming home with with roses and candy to your wife, right? That's what God wants to hear. So when we say we pray for God's will, when you're praying like that, that's God's will. God wants you to want him, you know? You know that song, I want you to want me, you know? I love you to love me, I need you to need me. I mean, that is really God, he want, but he doesn't need us to, but he wants us to. He wants us to love him, he wants us to be in a relationship, he wants us to talk to him. As silly as it sounds, I'm sure me standing in this building all by myself on a Saturday reading Psalm 5, I'm sure it pleased him, you know? I'm sure it pleased him because when Nate opened that side door right there, I was so embarrassed. I was like, oh, oh. He said, are you practicing? Yeah, I am. So it says, I pray to you, uh, pray to no one but you. Listen to my voice in the morning. Each morning I bring my request 
to you and wait expectantly. And I've said this to you guys many a times, and I'm going to continue to say it. In other versions, it says, it says that, I, 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 that I pray to you. It says, then I look up. I like that. That is, that is uh, uh, I think it's New King James. I look up. Like, I'm expecting you to be there listening to me. And, and, and that really rings true to me. Because I tell you guys all of the time, when your life begins to change and you're doing it earnestly, you should have an expectation that God is on your side. You should have an expectation that your life will begin to change. That people will begin to trust you. Okay? Where's Benny? How many years have I known you, Benny? How many years have I watched you struggle? Okay. So for me to sit in this back room last week and do a pastoral interview with me and some of the other pastors to hire Benny onto staff here is like, what the heck is going on? I mean, that's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Glory to God, amen. Because I heard lots of groaning, and I heard lots of moaning, but none of it was to God for a long time. It was poor me. It's not my fault. You know? Not my fault. Anybody ever said that? Not my fault. You know? I don't know what happened. I don't know. You know? It was they, right? Who are they? Who are they? Who are they? That's the favorite thing in the bridge. Well, they said, well, who are they? Well, you know what? Nobody actually knows who they are. We actually determined that the other day. We had a bunch of guys say, well, they said, Michelle said them all and says, well, who is they? These grown men couldn't figure out who they were. Like, so we still don't know who they are. We were watch, actually watching a show last night, and they said it's, uh, it's they, and then even on the TV show, they couldn't figure out who they were. So I encourage you to figure out who you are. And if you're going to say it's their fault, figure out who they are. Because you can't blame somebody that really doesn't exist. You know. But so really this goes back to the basis of Bible reading and quiet time and prayer. Because most people will tell you it's most important to pray in the morning. It's like they say, when you get up, if you have a good, healthy, nutritious breakfast, right, you're going to feel good throughout the day because you've energized and you've put nutrition into your body. You know, if you get up in the morning and pound nine Winchell's donuts, right, custard-filled, you know, some bacon, Diet Coke, how do you feel? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's why you sweat butter, right? Oh, and I know you're sitting back there, Bumper. I did have three donuts on Sunday, so you don't, I'll front myself right now. You don't set, you, you do not set a full box of Valentine's Krispy Kreme donuts with me on Sunday 
when I haven't eaten. You just, you just, you, I mean, you can, but I'm going to eat them. It was my daughter that scolded me. Like, Dad, how many, and they, they were glad to tell her how many I ate. There was no expectation of privacy there. But what it's saying is, listen to my voice in the morning. So I want to get up in the morning. I want to do business with you. I want to give my day to you. I want my mercies that are new every day. We want those, don't we? Like, hey, the, hey, you said, where are they at? But that's an expectation, right? We should expect that the Lord will be with us. We should expect if we're singing and playing keys that nobody really cares if you miss a few, right? Because we're in the moment, we're listening to the worship, we're worshiping God. Nobody cares about, I'm sorry, Bob, you know, nobody cares about the music in that moment. All we care about is that intimate moment with Christ, and that's what it is. But I want you guys to have an expectation that if you are following Christ and you're doing all the right things, yeah, yeah, you're still going to get the flu, you're still going to get a flat tire, you still got to go to the dentist, you know. All the normal things of life are still going to happen, but the expectation is that that needle is going to kind of start moving in a different direction. I'm not going to be in jail all the time. I'm not going to owe everybody and their, their mother money. People aren't going to cross the street when I walk down the street because they don't want to see me or, they, or they're trying to avoid me. You know, people are actually going to be happy to see you because you're not asking to borrow money, right? Hey, I've saw so-and-so like five times. He hasn't asked me once to borrow money. And that's really cool. It says, each morning, I bring my request, and request to you and wait expectantly. There we go with that expectation. But let me clarify again. It's the expectations that we need to manage, you know, so if I go to God and say, you know, God, you know, bless my day, give me the strength to encourage somebody, is that in God's will? Right? God would want me to encourage somebody today. You know, God would certainly want to give me the, the strength to encourage somebody, or God, please help me to be a good friend today. Help me to be a good husband today. All right? So those are things within God's will. But if we sit down in the morning and say, God, have you seen the super lotto it is at a billion dollars. I want to win. Now, more than likely, maybe, you know, I don't think God is make, making sure you don't win, but really, if we're looking at those two things, God cares more about you being a good human than you being a billionaire. I promise. I promise you that right now. He could care less. He doesn't need money. Right? I like this thing I saw on Facebook. It, it showed this like shack, like in Mississippi. Just nasty shack. A couple of plastic, you know, Home Depot chairs sitting out front. Next to a mansion. Swimming pool. Nice mansion. And then it showed two holes like dug for coffins. And it said, it doesn't matter where you live today. You're both going to end up in the same in the same house, the same hole. So God doesn't care whether or not you win the lotto. God cares whether or not you're praying and, and serving him and, and reaching out to him. That's what God cares about. It says, oh God, you take no pleasure in wickedness and you cannot tolerate 
the sins of the wicked. You know, God does not like wickedness. God knows when we're being wicked. You know, the thing I really like is God knows our heart. Sometimes we do really stupid things, but our heart says something else because we're at that point in our life where, like, I'm really trying to make better choices. I'm really trying to be around different people. I'm really trying to do different things. But sometimes we, we, just, we just, we make a mistake or we don't. That's where God's grace comes in, you know, because God can see through all the nonsense, all the hocus pocus, all the, all the, all the makeup or the clothes or whatever, and he can see right to your heart. He might say, you know, this person is really struggling. Their heart is in such a good spot, but they're doing something really stupid. We, uh, when we look at the story of David, and we know when David was not out doing what he was supposed to, when he decided to not be a king anymore and just stay home and chill while everybody went off to battle, and we know that he saw Bathsheba, and she was attractive, and he, he slept with her, and then he had her husband killed, right? But what does it say in Scripture about David? It says, David, a man after my own heart, right? So God knew that David made some really stupid choices, but David had a heart that sought after God. So I think we have made a lot of really bad choices. We've hurt a lot of people in our lives. We've caused a lot of damage through our addiction. But God sees our heart. He knows that deep down not who we want to be, it's not who we have to be. It's who we were, you know? That's why for me, even from day one sitting in a meeting, uh, and I'm not di disrespecting AA or NA, I could never bring myself to say, hi, my name is Mike, and I'm an addict. Because to me, it didn't ring true. Because I'm like, I'm more than that. And that was even before I knew Christ. I even I would say I but I but I'm more than that. I'm I'm a I'm a dad, I'm a husband. That's that's not all that I am. And so I always had trouble with that. Once I met Jesus, it was like, uh-uh. You know, I got invited to speak at an AA meeting in uh, in Salinas at the uh, Methodist Church from somebody, a lady that was in the bridge many, many years ago. And she met me up front and she said, No Jesus stuff. Oh, man, I preached. I preached the gospel, right? I did. And the funny thing was when the meeting got after, she was like, I'm so surprised everybody really liked it. I'm like, okay, yes, they do, right? Everybody wants to know about Jesus, right? Everybody needs the opportunity to be able to hear about Jesus and know Jesus. So if you're going to invite me to do something, don't tell me know Jesus, right? Like, don't. I have a, a really dear friend, uh, Roger Scalise, who was a pastor here. He's one, of the men I he's one of the men I respect most in this entire world. Whenever I'm with him, he, he, he doesn't care. I mean, we're talking gospel in seconds, right? I, I took a group of guys many, many years ago to, uh, actually, Stephen Kobos was one of them, 
And you would think walking around with a pastor that just starts talking about God and people start gathering, it would be kind of embarrassing. It was like, but it wasn't because his heart was so sincere in what he was saying that you believe, I don't know this guy, but the things they're saying to me are pretty cool. And really, somebody loves me? I may not know who he is, but it's sure nice to hear that. You know, I, I, I had lunch with him a couple of weeks ago, and uh, there was a waitress that had three sevens tattooed on her forearm. And, and Pastor Roger said, hey, what's the story behind those sevens? He said, well, I heard one of my friends said they're good luck. He said, so you put, you tattooed three sevens on your arm because your friend told you they were good luck. She said, yeah. Are they good luck? He said, they absolutely are. Because you know in the book of Revelation, and he took her through the whole thing about seven being the number of completion. And he said, I want you, young lady, every time you see those in a reflection to know that Jesus loves you and that he died for you. And she, her whole demeanor changed. She's like, it was, it, I think it was her first day on the job, wasn't it, Tommy? It was her first day on the job working in this restaurant. And she was like, thank you. God bless you. And she was like super stoked. Like, oh, maybe that wasn't such a stupid idea to get all these sevens on my arm. <laughs> but those are the things that please God. God cares more about that than he cares about what you're driving or what you got in the bank. Amen? It says, because of your unfailing love, I can enter your house. I will worship at your temple. It says, lead me in the right path, O Lord, and or my enemies will conquer me. Amen? Isn't that true? If I am not led in the right path, my old life is just going to chew me up and spit me out. And it doesn't care. It doesn't care. It's like all those friends, oh, yeah, man, when you go to jail, I'm going to come and visit you. I'm going to put money in your books. And No. You get ghosted by every one of them. You do. Isn't that true? Ain't nobody put money in my books. Well, it didn't, it didn't help that my wife called every human being that I ever met in my life and told them I was in jail and not to give me money. I mean, there, there was that, Yeah. It says, because you're in family love, I can enter your house and I will worship in your temple. It says, lead me in the sight of the right path, O God, and my enemies will conquer me. And that's so true. That's why I want to read again. Because if we don't, if we're not doing the right thing, we're going to default to the wrong thing. What we do needs to be intentional. We need to intentionally get up and make time to read. Intentionally get up and make time to pray. Intentionally Walk up and say hi to somebody. Intentionally encourage somebody. Intentionally ask somebody, how are you doing? You know, just be watchful and be mindful because addiction is such a selfish thing. It's always been about us and us and me and me and what I need and how I feel and, you know, what I'm going through and I'm having a hard day and I had a hard life and nobody loves me and everybody hates me. And, you know, when we start to say, how are you doing today? And tell me what's going on in your life, you know. Then we start to have a different perspective. And then we, we kind of like feel good because doesn't it feel good when you're able to buy somebody a gift? You know what I mean? Just like, hey, I, I got you this gift. And it's like a huge deal to them. And it's just like some nothing. Like, you know, something, I don't, I don't maybe something you got at the Dollar Tree, you know. 
but it's just that thought. Somebody thought about me today. And when we get out of ourselves and we start to turn that corner and do those things, it's the things that God wants us to do. It's the direction that he wants to take us. It's where he's always wanted us to go. It's like, oh, they're, they finally get it. It's, everything is not about them. You know, when it's actually all about him and what he did for us. When we stop and think about that, it makes it way easier. Well, if you died for me, I can certainly, certainly buy somebody a cup of coffee or a meal or do something for somebody because then we start to change the person then our heart begins to change and as our heart begins to change, our attitude begins to change, right? And then we begin to change and then people around us begin to change. You know what I mean? It, you know, it's like I heard a comedian say, you ever notice thing about a crowd? The more people show up, the bigger the crowd gets, Right? Because people just keep coming, and the people keep coming. It's like the more people that come to this meeting, people are like, well, why is everybody going to that meeting? Let me go over there. And then more people start coming, and then more people start coming, and more people start coming. And pretty soon it becomes a thing. And people are getting blessed, and, and lives are changing, and people aren't going back to jail anymore, and their marriages are getting better, and they're, they're doing better with their children, and they're doing better as, as an employee, and then all of a sudden, it's like, wow, you wake up and it's like, this is a good day. Nothing happened, really. You know, I didn't win the lottery, you know, but this has just been kind of, a, it's been kind of cool today. I've, I feel blessed and nothing even happened. You know what I'm saying? Because something doesn't have to happen, just sometimes... Your attitude changes, and you're like, nothing's really happening that's awesome, but just my life is better. You know, you, don't, you can't even put your finger on it. Like, it's just different. And that is because we seek the Lord diligently. Cry when you need to. Go out in the middle of no, somewhere and scream, you know. Groan. Lament, cry out to God, ask him for help. You know, the, 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 the shame is if you need help and you don't ask for help. That's the shame. Because when you get in trouble, you say, if I would have just reached out, if I would have just asked, if I would have just slowed down for a moment, if I would have just made a different choice or a better choice, if, or if I would have just prayed. Sometimes that's like, I'll be like doing something, doing something, doing something. And I'm a pastor, right? And I've been a pastor for a long time. And Michelle will say, did you pray? And I'm like, duh. No. But that's the first thing I ask somebody that comes to me. Well, did you pray? Well, let's pray. But then when something's like, oh, no, I didn't. And then I feel like, oh, that's crazy. But my wife's something, somebody that prays for everything. You know, she prays for people at the gas station. She prays for people that have a flat tire. She prays when she can't find her car keys, you know. And I used to say, well, don't bother God with such small things. But that's what he wants. Exactly, right? Do you think your wife gets sick of you telling you you love her? Or your husband gets tired of you saying, I appreciate you? No. They don't. We don't, you know. So it's a good thing. So cry out to God, lament, look up, and expect. Expect good things. Because that's what it's about. It's about your life changing because you are focusing 
on somebody other than yourself because I will, I, I'll tell you, if you're an addict, you've spent way, way too much time thinking about yourself already, right? <laughs> way too much time, right? And not quite enough time focusing on what's really important. What's really important is having a good relationship, a good and a right relationship with God because when you have that, it's like that, and I hate to say this, it's like that balanced breakfast in the morning. It starts your day off right. You start off with prayer. You start off asking for guidance, for mercy, for direction. And maybe just a little, you know, God, give me some extra strength today to reach out to somebody else. Because it's not always easy just talking to somebody that you don't even know. It's not easy sitting in a restaurant and say, hey, do you know what those sevens are all about? I don't know if I would have sat at that restaurant for 20 years if I would have ever thought the way he did. But he, that is so much of a part of who he is. It's just automatic. And the point I'm making is at some point, you're just going to be doing things and you're going to go, well, where did that come from? Or someone's going to say something and this verse is going to come in your head and you're going to be like, oh, I know where that is in the Bible. You know what I mean? It was funny listening to Austin and Vanessa talk about Bible verses today. And they were like telling each other, like they, they were like totally, it was like, Dang, you guys are smart. You know, they were like talking about Bible verses and their meaning. And I'm like, oh, I'm just, no, you don't need me. You know, Vanessa said, well, let me ask you, Pastor Mike, my favorite pastor. But, but Austin answered the questions. And then, and it, but what I'm saying is there was a time when these two were as dumb as a box of rocks. <laughs> right? I mean about the Bible. Let me get that clear. Let me get that clear. Let me qualify that statement. All right. But to go from knowing nothing about the Bible and then to listen to some super intelligent, super insightful, super well-applied scriptures, I was just grinning from ear to ear. It was like, this is like way cool. I don't have to sit here and say nothing. I just like, oh, yeah. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And somehow I seemed smart just because I agreed with them. But it's amazing how that happens to you when you just simply get into the word. Simply try to do things differently, then pretty soon you're like telling stories out of the Bible. You're like, did I just hear myself say that to, to that guy at, in the line at Save Mart? Did I really just say that? Absolutely. You know? It's like Michelle's telling somebody that's shooting heroin in their neck, Jesus loves you. He has a plan for your life. Well, this guy's going to kill you. Because I tell you what, if I would have, you ever interrupted me like that when I'm shooting up, I wouldn't have been so nice. But God's grace was surely with you that day. But it's just having the ability to be able to do that and the wherewithal to be able to do that and knowing that God is going to be with you as you do that. Amen? So we are going to take communion together. So if you don't have it, put your hand up. And communion is another one of those things that a lot of people, I see people pass on communion, and then later I'll say, well, why, why didn't you take communion? Oh, well, I was having a bad day. Well, then you should have took two, right? Over, up over here. Let's bring, right here. 
Because communion isn't about perfection. Communion isn't, a, is, isn't for perfect people. If it was, we wouldn't have communion at all. Communion is simply remembering something. Anybody have some, a memory that is like in, just imprinted in your head? Like a song, if you hear a song. Like if I hear Roberta's, Roberta Flack killing me softly, I am instantly in fifth grade at lunchtime having my very first slow dance. Like, I remember that like it was like 10 minutes ago with Linda Pearson. I mean, I, I mean, come on. I could describe her intimately about, you know, how she looked. I mean, not intimately, in depth. <laughs> come on, we're talking fifth grade, guys. But if I'm driving down the road and I hear that song come on the radio, I smile. You know, I, I have it on my iTunes. Every once in a while, I'll listen to that song. I'll, you know, I'll say, play Killing Me Softly. And it plays, and it just kind of brings me back to a moment uh, in time in my life when, I, when there was just like innocence. It was before the addiction and before a lot of crazy things happened in my life. And it, it, took me, it takes me back to a happier time in my life. And obviously, the crucifixion wasn't a happy time, but it says God can take what was meant for evil and use for good. The crucifixion is perfect, right? The crucifixion was meant to crucify our Lord and Savior, but the way it ended up being used for good, for his glory, is that we get to participate and remember the completed work on the cross and the beauty about that is that we get to spend eternity with him because simply because we believe in him. You know, I mean, that's pretty simple. I mean, super simple. And the beauty about, like, when we were doing communion yesterday, if you, if you take the passage out of Corinthians, I mean, Jesus was taking communion with his disciples, one of whom would do what? Betray him. But he sat there and did it anyway. You know, I love, I love all my bridge men and women. But man, no, no. Some of the petty arguments I hear, someone took my creamer, creamer, my one, my, my, my vanilla creamer. I had it. Somebody took it. Snickers or whatever. Snicks, there you go. It was Snickers creamer, right? Someone stole my, my Snickers creamer. Wow. Right? And you're mad, you're mad, you're mad at him. You're certainly not going to be crucified later that day to help the guy that stole your Snickers creamer, right? Because you want that dude gone, right? We do. Take, somebody take him out. You know, I want a contract on this guy. He stole my Snickers creamer. You know, hate this guy. I'm going to get even with him. I'm going to burn his car down if, whenever he gets a car. You know. <laughs> but my point is that Jesus sat there knowing that one of these guys would betray him and shared the Last Supper with him, shared communion with them knowing that somebody was going to rat him out and he was going to be dead. 
Can you, I, we can't even fathom that, can we? Right? So let's just get over the snicker screamer. I'll buy you some myself. And let's remember, like, the completed work on the cross. Hallelujah. So at the, at the, last, at the last Supper, you know, Jesus, you know, basically he took the bread and he, and he, and he, and he broke it and he ate. And he said, this is my, my body broken for you. So let's go ahead and take the bread. It says, whenever you do this, we're supposed to remember him. We're supposed to remember the completed work on the cross. And, they, and he said, likewise, this is my blood, the blood that is shed for you. Let's take it. So, so everything we just read in Psalm 5 about having that expectation is true, and we know that because of what we just did. Because Jesus sealed it with his work on the cross. So it makes everything we say something that we know is true. This man put his money where his mouth is. This man not only talked the talk, but he walked the walk. And he died substitutionally for me so that I might have eternal life with him. And, uh, and there's a lot of people I love hanging out with, right? And I'm going to love hanging out with them in eternity, right? I am. I just, I mean, there's people... I can just talk to and talk to and talk talk and talk to and talk to that I just love hanging out with, that I'll get to spend all eternity with, and that is a beautiful thing. Amen. So I'm going to invite the worship team back up. So just spend some time thinking, or go back and grab a Bible and read Psalm five. You know, and have that expectation that Lord, I'm going to seek you diligently, and I know. That as I do the things that are within your will, my life will begin to change. I will begin to see things differently. I will begin to feel differently about the things that I'm doing. And, and that change will begin to happen. And when it does, you're just going to wake up and you're just going to be like, today's just like, why am I happy? You ever have one of those things, you're like, you're like in a really good mood, you don't even know why? Like, why am I in such a good mood today? You know? And that's just, It's fun. It's fun. It's fun to feel like that. It's fun to be like that because it just puts that smile on your face and that joy in your heart, and you know you're in the right place. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you. We love you. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for all that you do and continue to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.